Houston, we have a podcast. Welcome to the official podcast of the NASA Johnson Space Center, episode 191, The Crew 2 Astronauts. I'm Gary Jordan, and I'll be your host today. On this podcast, we bring in the experts, scientists, engineers, astronauts, all to let you know what's going on in the world of human spaceflight. Four astronauts are ready to launch from American soil on board the SpaceX Crew Dragon for the second crew rotation mission and the third crewed mission with the SpaceX Crew Dragon. On board are NASA astronauts Shane Kimbrough and Megan MacArthur, Akihiko Hoshide of the Japan Aerospace Exploration Agency, or JAXA, and Toma Pesquet of ESA, or the European Space Agency. This is the first commercial flight to include two international partner astronauts. On this episode, you're going to hear from each of the crew to learn a little bit more about them and uh, their mission. You're going to get to hear their perspective on what the Crew 2 mission is, stories of their training, more about the careers and their family, and their thoughts about the importance on the mission that they're about to embark on. So here we go, the Crew 2 astronauts, Shane Kimbrough, Megan MacArthur, Aki Hoshide, and Thomas Pesquet. Enjoy. First up is NASA astronaut and retired U.S. Army Colonel Shane Kimbrough. This will be Kimbrough's third trip to space and his second long-duration stay at the International Space Station. Born in Killeen, Texas, and raised in Atlanta, Georgia, Kimbrough was selected as an astronaut in 2004. He first launched aboard the Space Shuttle Endeavour for a visit to the station on STS-126 in 2008, then aboard a Russian Soyuz spacecraft for Expeditions 49 and 50 in 2016. He spent a total of 189 days in space and performed six spacewalks. Kimbrough also is a retired U.S. Army colonel and earned a bachelor's degree in aerospace engineering from the United States Military Academy at West Point, New York, and a master's degree in operations research from the Georgia Institute of Technology in Atlanta. Kimbrough discusses his time as an Army aviator. He talks about his return to the International Space Station with Thomas Pesquet and the importance of flying on Capsule Endeavour that was named such during its maiden flight with Bob Bankin and Doug Hurley during NASA's SpaceX Demo 2 mission. So here's NASA astronaut Shane Kimbrough. Shane Kimbrough, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Gary. It's good to be here. Hey, uh, we are very close to your launch on the... Uh, SpaceX Crew Dragon, Crew 2 mission coming up. How are you feeling? Feeling great. Uh, training is really ramping up now, which is what we want. And uh, we're going to be obviously well prepared uh, to launch on Crew 2. And uh, so what goes into that, Shane, when you say well prepared? What have you been doing to get ready for this moment? Yeah, so uh, we're on Crew Dragon, obviously, so we need to get trained on that vehicle. We're also going to enter to the International Space Station, where we need to get trained on all the systems and things that we might do while we're up there for five or six months. So uh, if you put all that together in about a year, kind of cram all those things together, uh, it's a very busy training program. What we're really focusing on now, I would say, is more of the SpaceX um, vehicle itself. We're doing a lot of simulations. Uh, Megan and I usually have three or so major simulations every week with the SpaceX mission control teams and sometimes pulling in the NASA mission control teams as well. So uh, that's the really ramping up part. Um, over the past six months or so, we've been a little more uh, International Space Station focused, I would say, with some SpaceX uh, kind of sprinkled in there along the way to learn the systems. And now we're we're hot and heavy on uh, learning the vehicle and SpaceX and, and launching 
um, you know, or excuse me, and uh, working with the teams that'll launch us and land us. Yeah. Now, now, when you say we, you were talking about the crew there. Yeah. Who's who's on the on this flight with you on crew two? Yeah. Very honored to fly with Megan MacArthur, uh, with Tomas Pesquet, and with Aki Hoshide. Now, this is a international crew. I guess this is the first time we've had two international partners on a, on a crew dragon flight. Yeah. Very excited about that. Um, it really you know just speaks to uh, you know it's a it's a testament to how well. Our agencies work together. Um, it's really, you know, we I think globally um, set a great example for all of humanity in the space business. When we're half of these major countries uh, that maybe don't work so well together here on Earth, but we do a great job together in space. That's right. And I want to backtrack here for a second, Shane, and and talk about your your background here for a second. Get folks to understand a little bit about you. I know you you started uh, before NASA, rather than starting. You you were an Army aviator. You were you were in the Army. Tell me about uh, that experience. Yep, I was very blessed to be able to go to Army flight school and then fly Apache helicopters for the for the Army. Um, learned a ton there about leadership, about flying, of course, but more about leadership um, and followership. And those skills are obviously, you know, important to any successful team. Um, I've been lucky to carry those over and learn and add on to those skills here at NASA um, because those things are obviously very important as well here. So tell me about that. So what what is the qualities of a good leader and what is the qualities of a good follower? Um, well, good being a good leader, I've, I've learned over the years, uh, one of the biggest things is to be a good listener, um, to know what your team's telling you, to know what your um, your folks want, you know, not necessarily just want to do, but uh, they generally have more experience than I or whoever the leader is. And so being attuned to that, to not thinking you know everything is a big deal about being a leader. Um, clear communications is very important to me. I'm investing in my team um, personally as well as professionally. Um, or things that I've learned um, really pay off in the military and also here at NASA. Um, being positive is a big deal. Um, there's a lot of times when training is very hard and difficult and, and people can get pretty negative if you let them. But uh, as the leader, I think it's important to make sure people are staying positive, uh, looking at the bright side of things. And our crew has really made it easy on me and uh, my last crew as well on the International Space Station made it super easy on me to not have to, to do much except enjoy each other. So that's that's I guess that's a critical comp- uh, component here. Is I guess as commander, I wonder how much how much uh, you you know you serve as that leader. You're in that leader role, but it sounds like it sounds like you got a good small crew to to work with. Yep, um, very talented crew. Obviously, they've all flown in space before, so um, I'm really every day just trying to draw off of their experiences and figure out the best way maybe to solve a problem based on their prior experiences as well as mine. Um, and we talk things over. Um, really, the commander role, I think, really only comes into play um, if we had a really bad day and things are failing on the vehicle. Uh-huh. Then I would have to, you know, make a call again with inputs from them, but uh, then finally make a call. Otherwise, we are all, you know, always working together, uh, making the what we think is the best decision at the time based on the information we have. So uh, let, let's let's uh, take a step back again and go through some of your career. You know what's what's prepared you to to for these sorts of moments. We talked about your time in the uh, army. Um, at what point was uh, astronaut? Uh, did, did astronaut come on the table? Yeah, I wanted to be an astronaut since I was a little kid. When I was a uh, small child, is when the men were landing on the moon. So. Um, I distinctly remember watching that with, you know, the whole nation pretty much stopped back in those days to watch uh, generally on black and white TVs. Um, and I do remember that, even though I was a small child. Um, again, I had the good fortune that my grandparents lived in Titusville, which is right across the from the Kennedy Space Center down in Florida. 
and spent a lot of time down there. Even uh, I went to kindergarten down there, and my grandfather really was the inspiration be behind getting me excited about NASA throughout my childhood. Um, and so I wanted to do it my whole life. And uh, But when I went to college, ironically, when I went to West Point, I'd, I figured that dream was gone because I didn't realize you could be in the military or be in the Army and be an astronaut. But uh, it turns out you can. So I figured that out down the road and got lucky enough to be selected in 2004. So this will be your third flight, right? You flew on the shuttle. You flew on the Soyuz. Talk about some of your, uh, your well, your your space flight experience. To, to walk us through that. Yeah, very blessed, obviously, to to fly, you know, again and on a third different vehicle. That's pretty unique and uh, something I'm really looking forward to to be able to compare them. Um, the space shuttle, my first flight back in 2008, absolutely incredible machine. Um, I think anybody that's flown it can tell you it's it's certainly the most complex vehicle ever built. Um, really incredible workhorse to build the International Space Station over the years, um, as well as do many other things like the Hubble Space Telescope. So um, really was an incredible vehicle for us for about 30 years. And uh, and then when space shuttle stopped flying, I got the chance to fly with the Russians on the Soyuz, um, a very you know, much smaller vehicle, much smaller rocket, uh, but very reliable. Um, and they've been you know pretty much launching this same vehicle the Russians have for about 50 years. Um, and so there's a lot of comfort in knowing um, how incredibly reliable this vehicle is. And it's just an, an incredible way to get humans from Earth up to the International Space Station. Um, the vehicle only holds three people, so it's very small, very different than Space Shuttle um, in that regard. Uh, but again, just a very unique experience, very smooth ride uphill, but uh, pretty bumpy on the way home. I'll put it that way. <laughs> um, so we'll see what uh, Dragon holds for us. We've got a few you know, crewmates that have gone on Dragon already and um, they say it's a pretty sweet ride up and uh, coming back's unique in that we're going to land in the water. Um, and so even though it is water, I remember a few um, Doug and Bob saying it's pretty still felt pretty hard <laughs> on the landing. So we'll see how that goes. Interesting. Now, of course, you know, in the middle there is is your time on board the International Space Station. What's uh, what's your mission while you're there? Yep, we're going to have, you know, several months, probably up to six months on the International Space Station where, you know, pretty much I would say the, the way our time's broken out daily is probably about 50% of our overall time is spent doing science and research and experiments. Um, about 25% is doing just maintenance on the space station. So it's, you know, it's over 20 years old now, most of the parts up on the space station and the modules. So things break and all that. So we have to do a lot of preventive maintenance and also, you know, just repair things that break. So that's about maybe a quarter of our time. And then the other quarter is spent doing, I would say, exercise um, and eating and enjoying life um, with our other crewmates. <laughs> now, uh, after you landed from your Soyuz uh, mission, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious on to some of the, the jobs that you've had while you've been here on the ground. Yeah, most of our time as astronauts is spent on the ground, unfortunately. Of course, I think we'd all like to fly all the time, but that's just not reality. So we get to do some really incredible things um, as astronauts for the astronaut office. Um, gosh, over the years, I've had some really, um, you know, career kind of enhancing jobs, whether it was working with the spacewalking community or being the robotics um, branch chief for a while, um, working down at Kennedy Space Center for the last, uh, let's see, 10 missions of the space shuttle. I got to be one of the astronaut support personnel people that would strap the crew in on launch day and uh, get all the vehicle and the, the switches set up before launch. So that was really an incredible job. I really enjoyed that. Um, I've gotten to be the chief of the vehicle integration test office, which again, a really rewarding experience 
where um, just recently leading up to demo two, I was you know, heavily involved with with planning and working with the SpaceX and NASA and medical teams as we um, thought about all the operations and, and created those pretty much from scratch for launch and landing ops for all the, the SpaceX and the Boeing side of things. So um, I've really been blessed with some great jobs, which have just helped me be a better astronaut overall. So it's been really great. I think that's uh, that last part is uh, is is key here. You know, during during demo two, while the whole world was watching uh, Bob and Doug on their mission, you were sort of behind the scenes. Uh, what what was that role specifically for you? Yeah, it was a real thrill to be down there. Um, I was, you know, the downside I was held to the strict quarantine requirements that they were. <laughs> so, right, right. But that was all part of it, and we knew that going in. But um, yeah, I was running. You know, just our team was running their daily schedule every day while they were in quarantine. Um, whether that was here at Johnson Space Center or down in Florida. And then just a lot of behind the scenes things. That first launch was very big um, with the president and vice president coming. So doing some, a lot of that coordination was was a lot of work, but also, you know, it was kind of neat to be part of things like that. Uh, and we hadn't launched out of the Kennedy Space Center in over a decade, so or almost a decade. So it was really neat to really crank that machine back up. Um, and for all the locals, see the locals and, and all the people that work at Kennedy Space Center to really be fired up again. Um, and it's a really great sense of pride for our nation. So I'm just gl glad to be a small part of that. Oh, yeah, I know. There's a lot of people that watched on TV. I was watching from here from Houston, and it was just such an exciting time. Absolutely. Um, now, your family, right? You're, uh, you have uh, three kids, and uh, they're, they're a little older now. Then this is not their first time seeing their, their dad fly into space. What are you doing to prepare them uh, for your mission? Yeah, I have an amazing uh, family. My wife is really the one that's holding us all together all the time. Uh, yeah. uh, and while I'm in space, it's no different, of course. Um, three amazing kids, uh, twin girls that are 23 and a son that's 21. Um, all of them are still in school. The girls are in graduate school now, and our son's a junior at West Point. Um, very proud of what they're doing. And, and we're, again, we're trying to make this uh, as normal as possible for them. And, and they understand it a lot more now, of course, because they're older. Um, they're excited about going to the launch. They're excited about the mission. Um, they're excited about this whole SpaceX thing, which is really, you know, um, I think speaking to the younger generations in general. So that's really fun um, to see them get excited about this mission, I think, more than any other one before. So, um, yeah, we'll just try to keep things, you know, as normal as possible. I get to chat with them quite a bit um, whenever we get free time and I get to talk to my wife every day. So, um, yeah, we, we, it's a pretty good way to communicate with them, even though we're, you know, off the planet going, going around about every 90 minutes. <laughs> you make it seem so normal, but it, but it is kind of <laughs> special. Very cool. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of locking on to, you said, you know, it's, it's your, your, your kids thinks this one's cooler. I, I think this is, this is really a cool mission, t um, uh, for, you know, for the United States really, but. But what's interesting, um, just beyond that, we're continuing these these kinds of commercial crew missions. What we've what we've been building up, is um, this capsule that you're flying is uh, the one that Bob and Doug wrote on. It's it's Endeavor, um, and and you're continuing that legacy. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm so glad it's called Endeavor. It's that's the name of the space shuttle I flew on. So it's significant to me in that way. And uh, what's I think much more significant is that uh, Megan will fly in the exact same seat, the pilot seat that her husband Bob flew on for demo two oh, in the same cool. spacecraft. So I'm sure that'll get a lot of uh, media attention as we lead up to launch and rightly so. And I'm really excited for her. 
Um, she has not been to the International Space Station before either. So um, Aki and Tama and I have had the good fortune of being there, but this will be her first trip because her previous flight was uh, going to repair the Hubble Space Telescope. That's right. Any, uh, any words of advice that uh, the three of you have passed on to Megan? Make sure she's ready for this long duration expedition. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of chances to talk to her about it. And she has a lot of questions, of course. Um, I think she's got a lot of inside scoop from her husband for after he was there for a few months. That's so, right. um, but we definitely give her pointers on things that worked for us while we were there. And, uh, you know, we're just, we're looking forward to being together. Uh, we've become a tight crew here on the ground, which is very important, uh, to learn those folks before you get put in an environment, uh, that's, that's not so normal. And, uh, I think, uh, we'll just continue to learn from each other as we go throughout our mission. That's right. And that mission is coming up very soon. Shane Kimbrough, thank you so much for spending this uh, short amount of time with me on, on the podcast today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Next is NASA astronaut Megan MacArthur. MacArthur will be making her second trip to space, but her first to the International Space Station. She was born in Honolulu, Hawaii, but considers California to be her home state. After being selected as an astronaut in 2000, she launched on Space Shuttle Atlantis as a mission specialist on STS-125, the final Hubble Space Telescope servicing mission, in 2009. MacArthur operated the shuttle's robotic arm over the course of the 12 days and 21 hours that she spent in space, capturing the telescope and moving crew members during the five spacewalks needed to repair and upgrade the telescope. She holds a bachelor's degree in aerospace engineering from the University of California, Los Angeles, and a doctorate in oceanography from the University of California, San Diego. MacArthur discusses her early fascination with aerospace, her experience on shuttle on one of the Hubble servicing missions, and her ex expectations living and working on the International Space Station for the first time. Here's NASA astronaut Megan MacArthur. Megan MacArthur, thank you so much for coming on Houston. We have a podcast today. It's great to be here. Thanks. Hey, we're kind of coming up on your launch here uh, real soon. You're going to be uh, riding a Falcon 9 to the International Space Station. How are you feeling? Pretty excited. <laughs> so, uh, so it's been it's been uh, a lot of training to get to this uh, point, huh? To get to uh, ride on the on the SpaceX Dragon. What have you been up to 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 get ready for this moment? It has been a lot of training, and it's been condensed into a shorter period of time than usual. Um, but we, so we've been, you know, busy all day, every day. Uh, sometimes in Houston, sometimes we're in Hawthorne, California, at the SpaceX facility, and we've even had a couple of international trips that have been uh, jammed in as well. Oh, that's right. Hey, we're let's uh, let's take a step back and and find out a little bit more about you. So, starting with uh, just uh, your your time, I guess, from when you were born to when you got to uh, to college, because I know you were a part of a military family, so there was quite a lot of moving going around. That's right. So our family moved every couple of years, it seemed like. My father was in the United States Navy, and um, I was born in Honolulu, Hawaii, and we moved really every couple of years after that. So I've lived in California, I've lived in Rhode Island, I've lived in Canada, Japan, England, uh, and now Texas. So it's been a uh, uh, it was a great way to grow up, but uh, we didn't really put roots down anywhere. <laughs> so home is where the family is, huh? That's right. That's right. Uh, when did, let me see, well, let's uh, actually, let's go to, to your education, because what's interesting is you started off uh, with, uh, you got a bachelor's in aerospace engineering, and then it seems like you switched gears and said, you know what, oceanography's for me. That's right. So my dad was a pilot, and so I was interested in airplanes from an early age. And I also lived at a Navy base that shared a center with um, Ames Research Center, where a lot of avionics research, aviation research, and um, uh, 
aerospace research happened, mm. and we would see NASA astronauts come there. And so I thought that that would be a neat career path to follow, even if I didn't get to ever be an astronaut. So I, I studied aerospace engineering at UCLA. And while I was there, I got involved with a, a group of aerospace engineers who wanted to um, participate in this engineering project. And so we built a submarine, a human-powered submarine. And I ended up becoming the pilot for that submarine. And I had to get scuba certified in order to drive the thing because it was flooded with water and on purpose. And uh, um, that got me really interested in exploring the oceans. And so I took a turn into oceanography and I, I studied uh, ocean acoustics at the Scripps Institution of Oceanography in San Diego. What was it about scuba diving that was so interesting to you? Because you know, you might have a different reaction, right? You start scuba diving, you're like, oh, heck no, this is not for me. But it seems like you loved it. I did love it. And it's interesting because I have never been, I was not a strong swimmer. And so it was really challenging for me. And I ended up having to do some extra work to improve my swimming in order to um, be strong enough to swim uh, out through the surf zone, which is what you need to do when you're when you're scuba diving in Southern California and you don't have a lot of money. So you're not going in off a boat, you're, you're fighting your way in from the beach. So it was a real challenge for me. I think that was part of the attraction was was having to earn it in that way. And then also just kind of, you know, finding this magical world beneath the, the ocean surface, these, these reefs and the amazing kelp forests that we have in California. And it just kind of opened my eyes to a, a whole a whole part of the planet that um, that needed to be explored. Seems like explorer of magical worlds is your specialty. Because not, <laughs> not only did you, you you were exploring the underwater magical world, but then eventually you started exploring space. When did astronauts start coming into the picture? So I I kind of always kept the idea that I'd had from you know when I was a teenager that wouldn't it be neat to be an astronaut one day. And when I was in graduate school, I started to look seriously into what does the application actually look like? What kinds of career paths do people have before they become an astronaut? And so you know back then it was actually a, a paper uh, application that you filled out. Um, so so I sent mine in. But but just seeing that there are astronauts that come from all different backgrounds in science and engineering helped me realize, you know, hey, this was something that I could do with my, with my varied background. Oceanography has a lot of operational concepts that are similar, I think, to flying in space where you have hardware that you're going to deploy in the ocean. You have to be able to fix it if it breaks uh, with whatever you have with you at the time and the skills of the people on board. So there are a lot of similarities uh, with how we send people people into space. So you got to experience that firsthand when you uh, traveled to space in 2009. You went to the Hubble Space Telescope. Tell me about your mission. That was a tremendous mission to be a part of. It was such a great crew, and being part of the Hubble family is something that I treasure to this day. To to be a part of something that, you know, around the world, people, even if they haven't heard of the Hubble Space Telescope specifically, they sure have seen images captured by the telescope. And, you know, the science, the groundbreaking science that continues to be done by that instrument um, is phenomenal. And so to be just a little cog in the wheel that makes that happen was was pretty fantastic. And your your uh, role as part of that mission was the robotic arm operator. So so what was some of that uh, those tasks like when it came to actually uh, performing some of the repair work? That's right. I was the robotic arm operator and the flight deck engineer for that mission. And so the robotics task, um, the big one, of course, is capturing the telescope, which is a, a free-flying telescope in orbit around the Earth. And we use the robotic arm to grab hold of a fixture that's on the side of the telescope and then place it in the payload bay. And we have to do all of that in order to do this the repair spacewalks um, that our spacewalkers were going to do. And so once we got that part done, then we, um, we did five back-to-back -back spacewalks. And each spacewalk is supported by 
by the robotic arm. So I was able to to drive the arm throughout all of those. Um, and we're moving, you know, big pieces of equipment in and out of the telescope. Um, and of course, having to be very careful around the telescope so as not to do any damage. So um, we trained really hard for all of those spacewalks. We had the luxury of getting to do each of those spacewalks, planned spacewalks we did a number of times. And so we could really fine tune those tasks and make it very, very efficient. You know, it seems like uh, that that mission was pretty pretty fast, at least uh, compared to what we are used to now with long duration international space station missions. But looking back on it, uh, I don't know if it was it might have been a blur to you. But is there any moment that sort of sticks out? Some some moment that you sometimes look back on uh, that was sort of special to you in a way during your short stay on, in orbit. For me, the moment when I got to look at the planet and see lightning storms over the over the ocean on a huge scale and you realize that this you know because your brain when you first see the earth from space it's so vast and you think it looks like all the pictures you've ever seen growing up and and suddenly there's movement you know there's there's this lightning storm that's happening and you realize this earth is a living breathing thing in a way right and and you see the the thin lens of atmosphere that is what protects all the life on the planet. And, and you just feel this very powerful, it's kind of a sense of belonging, but also an, an urge to protect um, this beautiful planet that we get to call home. Well, you're going to be up back in space uh, for, for a long duration flight this time aboard the International Space Station. You might have a few more moments than you did on your shuttle flight to, to appreciate some of these views. Um, you are, of the four crew members that are on crew two, you're the one that hasn't been to the International Space Station yet, even though, you know, you've all flown, but uh, th this is your first time. So I wonder if you've uh, learned any tips and tricks about uh, life aboard uh, the International Space Station for, for a long duration stay, if you've heard that from some of your crew. I'm really lucky um, to have crewmates who have done this before, and and also, of course, my husband now has done this before, mm -hmm. and so lots of um, you know insight into sort of how it really is. You know, we we learn in training, and our training is excellent, but there's you know there's those tips and tricks that you learn um, partly just when you get there, and so you know when something starts to seem complicated or difficult to understand from a procedure, they'll reassure me, hey, you're going to figure this out in five minutes once you get on board. So um, so those kinds of things have been really reassuring and. Knowing that, um, you know, some of the more challenging things that maybe are hard to just pick up, like, for example, photography, um, that some of them are already really good at it is, is reassuring that that's, uh, it'll be a fun thing for us to learn together while we're up there. So tell me about some of the things you're going to be doing. You're, you have a long duration mission on the International Space Station, six months-ish, you know, wh what does that mean? What exactly are you doing? So I expect every day will be different. You know, we, we live by that schedule and um, the folks on the ground are the ones putting kind of the big blocks in on the schedule first and then fitting all the little stuff around that. So we'll have some big blocks like some uh, cargo vehicles that are arriving and departing, um, some science, long, longer term science projects that have to occur at specific times associated with those cargo missions, and then, of course, some spacewalks and robotics associated with that. So those are kind of the big blocks um, that will anchor the mission, and then there'll be lots of um, stuff stuck in around that. So some of that will be maintenance for the space station, making sure that it that it stays running, and then others will be shorter-term science projects that happen you know, around those bigger blocks. And so I think every day is going to be different, and uh, that's one of the things that is really exciting about it. So what, what's I, th I think another exciting thing, Megan, is when you're going to the International Space Station, gearing up, getting buckled in to uh, to take that ride on the Falcon 9 in the Crew Dragon, you're going to be sitting in the the same seat in the same vehicle as Bob Behnken. Um I wonder if that's if that's hit you, if that if that uh, realization has hit you. 
Well, I have joked that at least I'll, if I find chewed up gum under the seat, at least I'll know where it came from. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It it has, you know, and it's, it's been amazing. It was amazing watching him over the five years of that development program, you know, get more and more. In the beginning, we didn't know which vehicle he would be on. And then, you know, once we knew that he was on Crew Dragon, um, kind of watching him go through that process of developing the different crew capabilities and figuring out how to certify this brand new vehicle, um, you know, everything that went into that, um, seeing him go through all of that, how well he knows the vehicle, how well he knows the people who designed and built that vehicle, you know, that's a tremendous resource for me. So, he's been able to give me, you know, insight and and specific advice about stuff, Um, as well as, of course, he ended up spending two months on the space station when he originally was expecting to spend, you know, maybe 10 days. And so, um, you know, our family has been through a lot um, managing all of that and managing those changes. And so I think we've grown a lot and learned a lot from that process. And so my hope is that the the six-month stay, I think it will be harder, but we, um, in in some ways, but we haven't had the sort of five years of lead time building up to it. Really, it's been everything crammed into one year. So, um, so I think we're I think we're ready, um, and I think uh, I think it's going to be great. That's right. Is you know what I think that's that's very special that you got to uh, you get to already experience exactly what you're about to, but from a different perspective, right? So when you're walking out to uh, the the rocket, you you uh, just not too long ago were the one waving to Bob Benkin saying goodbye. Now you're going to be swa- swapping those roles. So it seems like your family is uh, is more than prepared to to handle what's to come. I think that's true. It's also true, however, that it is. It is so much harder to be the one that's not launching into space. So <laughs> the one that that stays, that is watching your loved one, you know, launch into space with without any role in the process, right? So when you're the one that's that's on the sidelines, you can't fix anything, you can't help anything, you can't change anything. And that's really hard for people like us to to manage. And so that will be the hardest role that day is his role. Um, you know, taking care of our son and, and getting through the launch day will definitely be uh, the hardest job. It will be his job, not my job. That's right. And I, and I know you, you, uh, you know, for your son, everybody remembers that call, Megan, when, uh, <laughs> when Bob was coming home, he said, hurry up. I want to get, I want to get that puppy. That was such a special moment. Um, d- did you end up getting that puppy? We sure did. We adopted <laughs> a puppy from a local rescue organization back in November. Uh, his name is Shadow. Our son named him Shadow because he's, he's dark in color and uh, it's a perfect name because he's always seems to be under my feet. So, uh, so we're figuring out, uh, how to, how to, take care of one another. We've had some training. The dogs had some training and uh, it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> That's very special. I had a t- childhood dog named name Shadow myself. That's it's very, a good very name. Cool. Yeah. It's a good name. <laughs> Wonderful, Megan. Hey, hey, thank you so much for, for taking the time to talk to me uh, today, Megan, and, and Godspeed on your upcoming mission. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Next up is JAXA astronaut Aki Hoshide. Hoshide was born in Tokyo, Japan. He received a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering from Keio University and a master of science in aerospace engineering from the University of Houston Cullen College of Engineering. He joined JAXA in 1992, which at the time was the National Space Development Agency of Japan, and was selected as an astronaut in 1999. This will be Hoshide's third spaceflight. He was part of the STS-124 mission aboard the Space Shuttle Discovery in 2008, and a crew member for Expeditions 32 and 33, launching aboard a Russian Soyuz spacecraft in 2012 for a 124-day visit to the station, conducting science spacewalks and maintenance. 
Hoshide discusses his early career at the Japanese Space Agency, his spaceflight experiences on shuttle and Soyuz, and preparing his family for the journey ahead. Here's JAXA astronaut Aki Hoshide. Aki Hoshide, thanks for coming on Houston We Have a Podcast. Thanks for having me. Hey, we're really close to your launch here. You're going to be launching from the United States once again. How are you Uh feeling? Yeah, it feels great. Um, You know, my first mission was on the space shuttle launching from the Cape. Um, This time it's going to be on the same same launch pad, so I'm looking forward to it. Oh, no way. Same launch pad. That's uh, that's pretty good. That's (laughs) good timing. Hey, let's go back and uh, and and learn a little bit about you, about okay. about who you are. Um, so, tell me about your your start at JAXA. We'll start there because I know you worked at uh, JAXA before it was called JAXA, and you were and you started before you became an astronaut. That's correct. So, right out of college, I started working for the Japanese Space Agency. At that time, it was called NASDA. Um and uh, I started out working for the H two rocket. For two years, and then I we I transitioned over to the astronaut office. Um, supported a couple of astronauts um, as an engineer. So when did the idea of uh, you know hey I'm, I think I can be an astronaut? When did that uh, start uh, kicking in? Actually, it was during college. Oh. Um, you know, as a as a child, I was very uh, into space, and when I was in high school, the first three Japanese astronauts were selected. So after that, you know, becoming an astronaut was my dream. And uh, I tried a couple of times, even before um, graduating from college. Uh, I didn't have the right qualifications, so I couldn't make it. But uh, yeah, so it was, it started, the dream started even before uh, joining the space agency. But then you eventually did, and you got to fly. So tell me about your uh, space missions. Sure. Um, so my first mission was on board the space shuttle Discovery. It was SDS-124. Um, that mission brought up the uh, the Japanese uh, Kibo module. Um, actually, the biggest part because uh, the uh, the Kibo module was too big and had to split into three different uh, space shuttle missions to carry it. Uh, but uh, mine was the uh, second assembly mission for the Kibo module, and uh, we brought up the the module up there and assembled it to the International Space Station. Um, my second uh, mission was uh, in 2012, and we launched on the Soyuz uh, spacecraft and uh, spent time on board the space station for four months, uh, doing a lot of different science and spacewalks. That's right. And on, and on your first mission, now that was on a shuttle. The next one was on a Soyuz. What what are the differences there in terms of, of launching and the duration of the mission? I mean, that, to, to me, they seem pretty different. Yeah, you're right. Um, it is uh, pretty different. Um, you know, the space shuttle is an incredible machine. It can do all sorts of things. And uh, it's big. You get seven crew members on board um, and, and launches like a rocket, comes back like a glider. Um <laughs> Soyuz is, you know, it's a capsule. It's smaller. Um, you get three people on board, pretty, uh, you know, crunched in there. Um, but it does its job. Um, it safely has uh, launched and landed um, throughout the years. Uh, it's got a great history, and uh, I think both of them are uh, very capable uh, spacecrafts. Now on uh, shuttle, that was your first one. I'm sure it was it was pretty exciting. You going up to space for the first time, thinking yep. about those, uh, you know, your expectations, and then your first flight. What what you know? What were some of those realizations for you? Some of the things that excited you? 
So a lot of things, you know, first time going up in space, uh, you know, you, you think you're going to be nervous. You, you got to you know, work hard and get every piece of information in your brain, um, get all the training required. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of unknown until you get there. Um, and but the first uh, moment that I experienced microgravity was when I got uh, a helmet from my uh, crewmate, Mike Fossum. He was uh, sitting next to me. And uh, my first job was to uh, get his helmet into a bag while he climbs up and take pictures of the, uh, the um, external tank. And uh, that helmet started floating right in front of me. And that was the moment that I realized that I was actually in space. And uh, after that, you know, flying in space, uh, inside the modules on the International Space Station, looking out the window and looking uh, at Earth, uh, everything and uh, everything was very, um, you know, very precious memories right now. My gosh, and and I know that your next mission was was a long duration, and a lot of astronauts have described the difference as like a, a sprint versus a marathon because you're up there for longer. You gotta stretch out your time, and and I'm sure that was unique and special for you in your own way. I know actually that mission, that long duration mission, was actually special for me. Yours mm. was because um, you were in space when I first uh, came to NASA as a student. No kidding. Yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> time flies. <laughs> it does. It does. So tell me about that mission, your your long duration one, and the uh, and the differences there when now that you were in space for longer. Sure. Um, so yeah, you, you you mentioned it, but you know it's a sprint versus a marathon, um, and you got a lot more time on board. You got to pace yourself. Um, as a Japanese, I I th thought I could work like 24 hours a day, um, <laughs> but I was wrong. Um, you know, after a couple of days, you do feel fatigued. At the end of the week, you feel like okay, I, I got to pay, uh, pace myself. Um, just to be prepared for any any kind of anomaly, phenomenal situation, even an emergency. Um, but uh, you know, you got to pace yourself like a marathon. And uh, but there's a lot of um, you know things. I was never bored. I mentioned this to uh, Sunny Williams, my uh, crewmate at that time, mm -hmm. and uh, I told her, "Hey, Sunny, I, you know, throughout the mission, I did not feel uh, bored." Um, and I think it's it was the variety of the mission. You know, you get mm. you get a lot of different science. You you do a spacewalk uh, one week, and then the next week a new vehicle comes, and you got to capture it with a robotic arm. And there's uh, a lot of uh, interesting science as well. So um, I think that's why uh, I was never bored. <laughs> Well, you uh, you eventually returned from that mission, uh, landed in Kazakhstan. So, so what have you been up to since? So after that, uh, we I went back to Japan for a couple of years. Uh, worked uh, back in uh, Tsukuba Space Center, um, helping out the astronaut office as well as the space station program, and uh, and then uh, uh, came back to Houston. Um, worked here as a Capcom a little bit. And then uh, got assigned to the mission and uh, trained for this mission since then. Now, uh, tell me about what you have been up to to train for this mission. What are some of the things you've been you've been working on? So a lot of international space station pro uh, mission. Uh, sorry, uh, a lot of international space station training. Yeah. Um, here in mainly here in Houston, but uh, we did have a little bit of training in Russia, in uh, Europe, and also in Japan. 
Um, of course, uh, because of the uh, COVID situation, it is very difficult. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, um, we have been uh, training in uh, Hawthorne and SpaceX for our Crew Dragon training. Um, it started out with uh, academics, um, just learning the system, and then uh, eventually developed into um, simulations um, within the crew sometimes, and then uh, expanded to uh, having um, the flight controller team uh, together uh, jointly. I see. Uh, and, and you're flying with uh, three other astronauts. You're, you got uh, Shane and, and Megan and Tomah. Tell me a little bit about your crew. Sure. Um, I think I'm uh, fortunate to have uh, such a great crew. Um, Shane and I were actually classmates from uh, ASCAN and astronaut candidate dates and uh, known him very uh, for a long time now. Uh, Megan was kind of a, my uh, uh, Capcom mentor. Um, she, uh, uh, she's, she also worked as a Capcom and I learned a lot from her and Tomah and I went, uh, down in a Nemo mission, Nemo 18 together. And that was a 10 day mission underwater, um, had a, a blast with him and, uh, we were just joking, Hey, wouldn't it be uh, great to, uh, to go to space together. And now that dream's going to come true. <laughs> Well, that's awesome. You you have connections with all three of them, uh, even prior to being assigned together. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, now, thinking about the the mission itself, uh, you've you've done a long duration mission before. We talked about your expedition twenty two, uh, rather uh, thirty two thirty three. What is what changes for for this upcoming mission? Is there is there anything that's going to be different? Is the environment of the space station different, or is a lot of it the same? You know, what what what's uh, what's the differences there? I think the environment itself is pretty similar. Um, not a whole lot has changed. Um, of course, we've got more um, modules attached to it. Um, we got new vehicles um, and uh, a lot of upgrades have been done inside and out of the space station. But uh, basically what we're doing is the same things. Um, you know, a lot of science and uh, uh, spacewalks maybe, and uh, some uh, uh, new vehicle, new cargo vehicles coming. But uh, yeah, and uh, for the science, I, I know there's a lot of uh, new um, experiments coming up. So looking forward to uh, actually helping out all the researchers on the ground. And that'll be like the prior, the you know, your 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 primary use of your time is doing those uh, experiments, and of course all the maintenance and spacewalk. You're gonna have to have some time to yourself, I know, and and I know, um, you know, this is the third time you're gonna have to uh, go to space, and and you got a family that you're leaving behind. So, what are you doing to uh, to you know stay in contact with them to prepare them for your for your journey? So yeah, this is my third flight, and uh, I think they're kind of used to it by now. <laughs> I hope, and uh, I think you know it's it's like a routine thing. Um, uh, it's like a long longer. Um, you know, business trip. Um, yeah. We've been traveling to, uh, you know, different countries for training or business. And, uh, you know, it, it's like a long, a little longer. Uh, but uh, in terms of support, we have an incredible team to uh, support um, us, you know, myself and my family. 
So I have no concern. I don't think they have. My family has any concerns either. Well, Aki, I know you you've you've got you have uh, a lot of work that you've done to prepare for this mission, and there's still some some things to look forward to before before you actually launch. So, Aki Hoshide, thank you so much for coming on Houston. We have a podcast. It was a pleasure to to spend these couple of minutes with you. Same here. Thank you very much for having me. Last but not least, we have ESA astronaut Thomas Pesquet. Born in Rouen, France, Pesquet graduated from Lycée Pierre Corneille before earning a master's in spacecraft design and control at the National Higher French Institute of Aeronautics and Space in Toulouse, France. He worked at the French Space Agency for a bit and then graduated from Air France Flight School and eventually worked his way to become a commercial airline pilot for Air France before being selected as an ESA astronaut in 2009. Pesquet previously flew as part of Expeditions 50 and 51, launching aboard a Russian Soyuz spacecraft and spending 196 days in space. His current mission to launch on the SpaceX Crew Dragon and stay aboard space station is called Alpha, after Alpha Centauri, and follows the French tradition of naming space missions after stars and constellations. Thomas shares his experience before joining ESA, his experience on his first long-duration mission on the space station, and some things he's looking forward to on this upcoming flight. Here's ESA astronaut Thomas Pesquet. Thomas Pesquet, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Hey, awesome to be with you guys, and uh, I'm thrilled. Hey, we are very close to your launch, Thomas, really in the home stretch here. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I mean, it's been challenging because of COVID, because of other circumstances. Uh, still one of the few, one of the first few commercial crew launches, SpaceX launches. So it's not a smooth process just yet. Uh, but we're in good shape. I mean, training is uh, going well. It's 99.9% uh, .9 finished um, and uh, we'll be ready to launch on time. Very good. Well, uh, let's dive in and get to know a little bit more about you, starting with uh, your education. I know uh, just just reading your, your bio, it sounded like from a very... From very early on, it sounded like you were, had a lot of interest in flight and in space. Uh, yeah, that's true. I don't I don't know where it came from though, because my parents were both teachers, a uh, small town in a, in a countryside somewhere in France, in Normandy. Uh, so no relations whatsoever, no links to the world of space and even aerospace in general and flying. But that's that's what I liked. That's what I was interested in as a kid. Uh, I don't know why, but I, I found it really cool. I had the posters in my room and etc. Um, and then growing up, every time I had a chance, you know, I would read a book on the topic. I would watch a show or a movie on the topic, and and then um, I kind of steered my my career in that direction. I became an engineer. I went into aerospace, uh, became a pilot, and then I was lucky enough to be selected as an astronaut. So it worked out pretty well for me. I was uh, very lucky, but uh, here I am. That's right. Yeah. And you, yeah, like you said, you were a pilot and you were a commercial pilot too, right? Even before you were uh, joined ESA? Yeah, correct. Correct. Um, and, and it's funny to note that I think uh, together with Takuya Onishi, a Japanese colleague, same, same class as me, mm -hmm. uh, we were the first two airline pilots by, by trade, by training, uh, to be selected for astronauts. There's been a lot of military folks um, and some people kind of had uh, also flown big airliners, but not as a not as a main job. So that was that was kind of a fun to fun uh, kind of the fun fact, and that's something we share with him with Takuya. Um, but yeah, I think it relates. I mean, in in a lots in a lot of ways, there's the same same pace, the same um, like crew interaction. You've, it's a multi-pilot type 
um, environment, whether it be in a spacecraft or on, a, on an airliner. Uh, very exciting parts when you take off, when you land, and then sometimes there's a cruise phase in between where you know it's going to last a couple hours. Well, for us in space, it lasts even longer. So um, to me, there's a lot of, of similarities, and, uh, and I think my training helped me a lot as an astronaut. That's right. Now, when you came to ESA and started your astronaut training, what were some of the things that uh, you were doing? Well, initially, you know, you, you, people have a different background. So you can have a medical doctor, uh, you know, a fighter pilot type uh, person. Uh, you can have an engineer. Uh, you can have a, and, and whatever, a volcanologist, for example. So they've studied very different things. And you have to all bring them at the same level in, um, in science and technology for, for human spaceflight, right? How do rockets fly? I mean, it seems basic and some of the stuff you know, especially if you're an aerospace engineer, you've seen that before, but, but it's not always the case. If you're a medical doctor, you don't necessarily know, necessarily know what's the rocket equation. Um, so there's all, all this academic knowledge that you need to, uh, that you need to hone in. Um, and then you work out quite a lot because again, you have to bring people to a, uh, same physical fitness level, um, learn Russian, um, and then, you know, step by step, you start to learn your job, right? You you learn about the space station, the different modules, the different vehicles, um, and then eventually it's going to give you a basic, uh, let's say, basic level as an astronaut. You get a degree. Uh, congratulations, you can be assigned to a mission, and then when you're assigned to a mission, uh, then things become much more specific. What are you going to do? Are you going to do some spacewalks? Yes. So which ones do you repeat? Uh, you're going to repeat them in the pool. Um, you're going to have a science program. You're going to familiarize yourself with this, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, so it's really like being at school all the time and learning all the time. So you have to love, you have to love learning new things if you want to be an astronaut. That's right. And you finally got to put that all to the test whenever you launched on your first mission in 2016. Tell me about that experience. Oh, that was pretty unbelievable. Um, I remember waiting for that mission and, uh, and I knew, and I was told, you know, it's, it's, um, the mission is great, but the, the time before the mission is even to to some extent it's even better because you're because you have a purpose you're working really hard but you don't count the hours um, you're you're at the top of your physical fitness you're at the top of your academic knowledge because you're working so hard um, and that's a good feeling to have uh, so I remember this and it all it all led up I spent a lot of time in Russia um, to learn the Soyuz who flies as a, as a Soyuz pilot um, and, uh, and it all led up to Kazakhstan and the launch from uh, from the, the, the steps over there, icy steps, because it was zero degrees Fahrenheit, minus, um, I don't even know how much <laughs> Celsius. Um, and then just blasting through, you know, the nights and uh, and going on the first trip to the, to the space station. That was an unbelievable experience. Um, and I'm looking forward to repeating it in a, in a different way. That's right, and uh, you've been you've been training a lot for for this upcoming mission, right? You got uh, training with SpaceX and training uh, for the International Space Station. Tell me about some of the things that you've been doing to prepare for this upcoming flight. Yeah, some of it is the same as that as uh, what I've done the first time around. Station hasn't changed. You know, the systems are pretty much the same. There's been some improvements made, uh, but mostly I, I I just refreshed the knowledge that I got from the first mission. Um, spacewalk, still the same principle, still the same spacesuit. You just have to look at what specifically you're going to be doing outside. So, so it's been shorter, it's been more condensed because of this. Um, and it's good because we didn't have that much time. Um, but uh, the big difference is is uh, how you how do you get to the space station. And, and now I'm flying on uh, SpaceX's Crew-2 
uh, crude vehicle, and it's a completely different environment. It's training in Hawthorne, California, uh, with SpaceX. Uh, everybody's young, everybody's very dynamic, uh, very reactive, hugely talented. Uh, they're doing such a great job. Um, and uh, it's just a different atmosphere. It feels very modern, uh, less traditions, because we're building the traditions as, as we go, but uh, um, but really, you're building the system from scratch pretty much. That's what the previous two flights did, and that's kind of what we do as well. So it's a really, really good feeling. That's good. You know, we were talking a little bit um, before this, and I thought I found it fascinating because on your first flight, you mentioned just how busy you were, not just with the work. You know, there's a lot of scientific experiments, but you really wanted to maximize your time, take pictures, call everyone. Uh, it seems like you're going to do you take a little bit of a different approach this time. Yeah, that's actually that's actually quite right. Um, I've, I've I just put so much pressure on myself, and it was fine. But um, but I had an, an endless to do list, and 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 I mean this, you know, uh, literally. There was there was really always something that I had to do on the back of my mind, and I was telling myself, ah, you should be doing this now because mm -hmm. otherwise, you won't maybe you won't have time. Blah blah blah. Uh, so it was never ending, and it was replenished obviously once in a while. Um, so it was great, and I, I got a lot of things done. And we're talking, you know, after hours and on Sundays right now. I mean, this is after all the work that you have to do, no matter what. Um, but but it kind of led me to not experience the the flight to space as much as I should have, I guess, because I was working, 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 mm -hmm. and then when work was over, I was still doing other things all the time. Uh, and this time, I'm looking forward to, uh, yeah, maybe relaxing a little bit once in a while, taking some 15 minutes here and there just for myself, just to not to take a picture, not to make a movie, not to write a journal, not to call people that I know are going to be happy, uh, but just for myself, just selfishly 15 minutes just for me, look out the window, um, drink an instant coffee um, and just soak in the, the, the feeling and the experience of being in space, which is pretty awesome. And I don't want to get used to it. I don't want to be normal. Uh, it happens because we're human, but I, I want to I want to feel the feel that feeling again. Such a wonderful approach, Tama. Mm -hmm. And and I know, you know, just I, I look up to the ESA astronauts. I really do because um, I know you guys get a lot of. Uh, a lot of training and a lot of opportunity to connect with people on the ground. And I think it's so fascinating, especially for you, because having educator parents, you know, having that that passion maybe is instilled just within your your own family culture to share your experiences, to to teach people about what it would take to be either be an astronaut or get involved in like a STEM career. It sounds like you're going to be doing some of that on your mission as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's hugely important. And like you say, my, my parents are both teachers. My brother uh, is now a computer science professor at university. So I'm the, the apple that fell far from the tree in a way. I'm the ugly duckling of the family. <laughs> Um, but but I still like it. It must be in the blood because I still like to explain. I still like to. I, I really enjoyed being an instructor when I was a pilot. Um, so I want to do this. I want to share the mission. I remember when I was a kid, I would have loved to follow the journey of an astronaut. Um, so I'll do it again for sure. I, I don't know. I don't know how different because you need to do something new, right? I cannot do the same as last time. Uh, obviously, taking pictures, sharing the journey, but there must be something else that we could be doing, and then we'll and we'll try. Um, and I'm willing to invest the time because it's a lot of personal time that you could be spending, you know, just watching a movie and relaxing. But, but I think it's worth it's worth all the effort because when you come back, um, and you see how the kids react, and and maybe you say, you know, a few of them or maybe more than a few are gonna have a better career or are gonna, you know, follow their dream because or thanks to you or thanks to your extra effort. I think it's I think it's really worth it. 
That's right, and you're you're going to be doing this soon. You're going to be going up to the International Space Station. You got quite a crew that's going with you, uh, Tomai. You got uh, a couple of NASA astronauts. You got JAXA. It's quite an international crew. Can you tell me about some of the folks you're going to be flying with? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was I was I was truly blessed with that crew. I know I know people say that, but it, but it's 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 actually true, and I really mean it. Um, I, I'm flying with Shane. Shane is a commander of the Crew Dragon. I've spent four months and a half with him on board the space station, and now. Uh, we're we're just very very close friends, and I and I look up to him very much. He's like an older brother type figure for me. Um, so I know it's gonna go well because because we get along really well. We work hard together. We have the same sense of humor. Um, and uh, Aki, I've had a lot of training with him, and he's also such a character. He's always cheerful, <laughs> always motivated, and hugely competent. He knows everything, um, and he knows how to get his message across. You know, in a in a very um, in a very nice kind of way. The, the missing piece to the puzzle, I think, was Megan. I didn't know Megan before, mm -hmm. um, but she's absolutely unbelievable. She, she's hugely talented. She fits right in with the crew. So I know we're going to have fun because none of them, uh, I think, have as a big ego or takes himself or herself too seriously. We're, we're working very hard. Uh, we're very serious, um, but we, we know how to laugh and we know how to make people feel good around us, I hope. Uh, so I think that's hugely important for a six-month mission. Very much, Toma, and I, and I wish all of you the best on your upcoming flight. Toma Pesquet, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and uh, spending this little time to chat with me today. Hey, thanks. It was a pleasure for me. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Uh, that is it. We went through all four of the crew two astronauts. I am super fortunate that I got time uh, with each and every one of them. Just a few minutes to have a short conversation for this podcast, uh, and we just wanted to make sure that we shared that with you. It's going to be an exciting launch, Crew 2, so just make sure to make uh, check out the latest TV schedule for when that's going to launch. Uh, watch that live. Engage with us during the broadcast using the hashtag LaunchAmerica. We are one of many podcasts. Check some of the other podcasts we have across the space agency out at uh, nasa.gov slash podcast. We are part of the Johnson Space Center, so you can find us on the social media pages for that specific center, Johnson Space Center. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Use the hashtag AskNASA on your favorite platform to submit an idea for the show, maybe a question. Uh, just make sure to mention it's for us at Houston. We have a podcast. The interviews uh, for this episode were recorded in February and March of 2021. Thanks to the podcast team, Alex Perryman, Pat Ryan, Norm Moran, Belinda Polito, and Jennifer Hernandez. Thanks again to the astronauts, Shane Kimbrough, Megan MacArthur, Aki Hoshide, and Tomá Pesquet uh, for their time in the studio to share the knowledge and thoughts uh, with the world prior to launch, uh, specifically for this podcast. And a big shout out to uh, to all of the schedules for schedulers for their time. It was uh, it was definitely difficult to get them in, and they are very, very busy with all the training they have to do. So Godspeed to those four astronauts. And, uh, of course, thanks to the extensive production team for their support in the Crew 2 interviews, including Charles Clendaniel, uh, Bill Stafford, and Josh Valcarcel. Uh, give us a rating and some feedback on whatever platform you're listening to us on, and tell us what you think of the show. We'll be back next week. <laughs>